0: If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and if you need to use the table of contents, feel free to do so. As you're turning, I want to welcome those of you specifically in Prince William and Loudoun and Montgomery County, as well as those from Arlington And those of you online, we invite you to join us at one of these locations in person. Before we dive together into the word today, I need to address a dynamic that is taking place in our church family right now in a way that I don't think I've ever had to do or wanted to do in all my years as a pastor. And I want to be careful with my words and I'll preface all of this by saying I know some of you today are not yet followers of Jesus. You're exploring Christianity. Others of you may be followers of Jesus, but you're not a member of this church family. Maybe you're traveling on this 4th of July weekend and you've stopped through. Some of my family is here in that category. Others of you may attend MBC, but you've not taken... What I would encourage is an important biblical step of becoming a member in this church or some local church. So for anyone in any of those categories, this will be a bit of a family conversation that you overhear for the first few minutes. And even with that, I would say, I've I've prayed for you specifically in those different categories that even with this family conversation we're having and then what we talk about after, that God might draw you closer to Him today. But for those who are members of this church family, we had a meeting this last Wednesday night for the purpose of affirming God's call in the lives of potential elders, pastors in our church family. I mentioned last Sunday, this is one of the most important things we do as followers of Jesus in the church to recognize and celebrate God's grace in biblically qualified leaders He raises up among us. And Wednesday night was a great night of worship and praise. Three elder nominees shared a bit of their stories to get a a glimpse of God's grace in their lives. And if you weren't here, you missed a blessing. It was so encouraging hearing from these brothers together. We got to know them more. We laughed with them. We were encouraged in our faith by them. All three of them pointed us to Jesus. Yet, when it came time to affirm them, because no one had expressed any biblical concern about them, meaning we were ready to gather around and pray for them and their wives at the end of our meeting, we were not able to because, and I want you to listen closely to the words I'm about to say, a small group of people inside and outside this church coordinated a divisive effort to use disinformation in order to persuade others to vote these men down as part of a broader effort to take control of this church. That was a lot to take in. Let me say it again. A small group of people inside and outside this church coordinated A divisive effort to persuade others to vote these men down using disinformation and using your private information. The leaders of this group have somehow gotten a membership list improperly accessed from our database, and they are using it to improperly contact members of MBC, actively sharing that list with our names, addresses, phone numbers, birth dates, with other members of this group and other members of MBC in ways that can cause real harm in light of your private information. All in an effort to keep these biblically qualified men from becoming elders and to try and take control of this church specifically from our Tyson's location where I'm standing right now. Almost, well, all of our other locations were almost unanimous in their affirmation of these elders. They were all in the range of 94 to 100% in favor of them. But here at Tyson's, there was a coordinated effort, started by a small group of people and expanding to others to deceive people into thinking that if they voted for these men, then our church would. And so here are some of the lies that people were being told as they entered the building in that lobby that night. If these elders were affirmed, people were being told we would sell this Tyson's building. So a vote to affirm these elders was a vote to sell this building. We had people share with us after the meeting, that they voted no on these men because people they trusted had told them as they came into the meeting. They were walking around sharing this while we were singing in worship that if these elders were affirmed, they would lead us to sell this building. So those members voted no. And then they came to us later saying they were sorry they had voted that way, wanted their vote back once they realized the truth. And they were not just told that we would sell this building. Some were told We would sell this building to Muslims so they could build a mosque here and we could give the proceeds to the Southern Baptist Convention. Now you might think there is no way people believe that and I wish I was making this up. But we have emails where this is being passed around to members in the most inflammatory way possible. It Sounds crazy to even have to say this, but just to be clear, we actually want Muslims to know the love of Jesus. I was personally sharing this morning with a Muslim from Afghanistan. We have explained and have in writing from the SBC we're not a member of the Southern Baptist Convention. And others were being told Wednesday night, if we affirm these elders, and just hear all the buzzwords and scare tactics that were used. NBC would be gone. Down a road of leaving the gospel behind, leaving the Bible behind, embracing liberal theology and cultural Marxism, like the author of the Communist Manifesto, that we would change our stance on abortion and sexuality, that we would allow critical race theory and Black Lives Matter and defunding the police to drive our agenda as a church. I could go on and on with ideas that are unquestionably untrue, and in many ways, completely unreasonable. The disheartening thing is, before God, we have walked through God's word on so many of these issues, and had countless face-to-face meetings with different people, clearly showing how these things are totally fabricated, yet most, almost all of the questions we have heard are less about God's word, and more about what this is. Blog or that Facebook post says as if those sources of information are anywhere close to the authority of this word. And yet, so as a result of disinformation through emails, private meetings leading up to that night, in addition to the improper access and distribution of your private information as members to try to influence more of you, all culminating in this culminated In this coordinated effort here at Tyson's on that night, here was the result. So our church constitution requires 75% of members at a meeting to affirm elders. And people came here that night who were recruited by this group to vote that night, who had moved away to other states. We heard about people driving in from Florida to Maine, People who are actively serving at other churches came back to vote. People who are no longer members of this church all showing up to vote no on these elders, creating all kinds of challenges with who gets a ballot to vote or not. And instead of forcing our staff and volunteers to sort through all that information on the spot, we gave out provisional ballots to people who may or may not have been a member. And even with all of those challenges and all of this disinformation, The final count in favor of these elders ranged anywhere between 70 to 78% of those who voted, depending on which ballots would be accepted from active members of NBC and which ones would be rejected from people who are not active members of NBC. Which means that the final outcome of this elder election would be either just above or just below the required 75% line. So we shared Wednesday night that the results were too close to announce. that we needed time to look into all of this. And our current elders have met since then and decided we are not going to be in the business of adjudicating which provisional ballot count or not count. So we are going to follow the next step in our church's constitution, which calls for us to submit additional nominations for elders to the church. So today... We're calling a special congregational meeting for two Sundays from now, July 18th, in coordination with our worship gatherings that morning. Put it on your calendar, July 18th. And our current elders voted unanimously yesterday in favor of additional nominations for the three men who were previously presented to this church as biblically qualified to serve as elders. Chuck Hollingsworth, Ken Tucker, and Jim Burris. All three amazing brothers recommended by you as a church family. And we are calling every single member of MBC to vote on these men. And every single member is the key phrase there. We are calling every single active member of this church living in the city to be a part of this vote, less than 25% of members were part of the vote Wednesday night, which enabled a small group, so just to put it in perspective, less than 7% of our current membership on Wednesday night, including some people who we know are not actually members, less than 7% kept elders from being overwhelmingly affirmed in our church family for the first time in our history. And just to clearly communicate again, the seriousness behind this, behind all of this disinformation and deception is a small group of people who have stated that their purpose is to take control of this church and to use this elder vote toward that end. And I know, even as I'm saying this, like some of you have seen this kind of thing happen in churches before. For some of you, it's why you're leery of local churches. This is why churches have constitutions, this is why meaningful membership in the church is really important, and this is why I want to ask you as a member of this church, for the sake of our church family and all we want to do together in this city and the world. I cannot emphasize enough how important this is. Adjust your schedule, your vacation plans, your whatever, in order to be here that Sunday morning, July 18th. This is extremely important for our church. To come together, and and I say that, knowing that some of you have been drawn into this, maybe by people you have trusted, and you have genuinely believed falsehoods, been joined up in them. I assume the best, like with good motives, And we've already had conversations with people saying, I can't believe I got caught up in this. Or or maybe even you have let out in division in different ways. I want you to hear from me that I, we, genuinely love and care for you. Pastors, across our church would happily meet with you, answer your questions. We want to function in a way that is very different in the world around us. So far as it depends on us, we wanna pursue peace with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially those who've been part of our church family. We want you to know there's a place for you here. In the midst of all of this, midst of all of this, I've been praying, God, what, what good are you doing in this? As I've prayed, I believe God desires to use all of this division to actually unify our church. And here's what I mean by that. Follow me real close because it's going to lead us right into 1 Corinthians 12. Right now, we have a golden opportunity as a church family. After a really hard year in the world, and often tense and divisive year, particularly here in Metro Washington, D.C., we have an opportunity to say together as a church, what happened Wednesday night is not who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. People strategizing against one another in the lobby, not looking at each other in the eye, turning away from each other when somebody tries to talk with them, going around to each other while we're singing in worship to talk about voting strategy, that is not us And it wasn't just that night. It's part of a bigger picture that it's been going on for a a long time. We have received constant emails that we've tried to address on individual levels from members sharing things that are deeply concerning, including pages I read last night. And I'm hesitant to share examples because of how hurtful they are. Just to give you a glimpse, I saw one email from one of the main leaders in this group using race to say that MBC is no longer McLean Bible Church, that it's now Melanin Bible Church. That is not acceptable for the body of Jesus Christ. That language has no place whatsoever here. And I only shared. it, I hesitate to share it because I know it's like so ugly and painful even here, but I want to point out the approach that's being used by people giving leadership to this group in these meetings. And I believe you need to know it because you don't want to be a part of this. And we need to say loud and clear that definitively does not represent who we are as a church. We're a family of brothers and sisters from all kinds of colors and backgrounds and perspectives. And we will not, we will not apologize for our increasing diversity or our commitment to humbly address racial issues from God's word as we unite together on a glorious mission to proclaim this good word and our great God in a city where five million plus men, women, boys, and girls are on a road that leads to an eternal hell and need the good news of God's love for them. We We are at a pivotal moment in our church opening back up after a global pandemic, ready to enter into a new chapter of our church, standing on the shoulders of brothers and sisters who've gone before us, faithfully ready to run after the city with the gospel, caring for orphans and widows and the poor and those in need to reach the next generation with the gospel. I was in exhilarating meetings all day Friday talking about how to reach the next generation with the gospel. I thought, God, help us to give our time and energy to this. Do we not see the trends? God, wake us up. I wanted so badly to pray over those three brothers with their wives here Wednesday night, all of whom are eminently qualified. But we had to pause in light of what happened. My hope and my prayer is that two weeks from now, we can take the pause button off and start running together on mission in this city. But that will not happen if you do not stand up as members of this church and vote and affirm God-qualified elders in our church family. Please be here July 18th, two Sundays from now. And between now and then, we will send you details, not just about the vote that Sunday, but amidst all the disinformation I, we have absolutely nothing to hide. So starting later this week, once we're past this holiday weekend, we're gonna send you communication that dispels disinformation. In the meantime, though, please feel free to reach out to any of our pastors to talk about any questions you have. I, we want you to be able to say with a clear conscience before God, I can affirm these elders to lead us to follow Jesus on mission together. Because in the end, this is not ultimately about a small group of people versus church leadership. This is about the members of McLean Bible Church deciding how we're gonna move forward together as a church family in a way that is different from this world. So it just so happens that today we had planned to start a new series in our church based on 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 called Supernatural Church. Church that does not operate in natural ways, but in supernatural ways ways. Church that does not operate with the Spirit of this world, but with the pure Holy Spirit of God. We come to church because we want to be a part of something different than everything else we see in this world, different than everything else we see in Washington. We want to be a part of something so different, so supernatural, something that is so distinctly unexplainable apart from the power of the Spirit of God. So could it be that even in this, God is bringing us together to say in a fresh way, Spirit of God, do among us what only you can do. Bring unity out of disunity. Bring harmony out of discord. Melt hearts, form minds, exalt truth over lies. Bring error into light. God, do what only you can do. We need you. And you know, that's that's a good place for a church to be. It's good for a church to be brought to a place where we are looking to God to do what only He can do. So I wanna pause for a moment and I wanna ask Beatrice Smith to join me on stage. So as I was praying through how to address this today, I knew that at this moment in particular, we needed not just to say we need to fix our eyes on God, but we need to fix our eyes on God together. And if you're new to our church family, you may not know, Beatrice, but she's been at NBC for a long time, and she has been one of the most faithful prayer warriors in our church family, praying for hours and hours and hours this week for our church family. Uh, And when I thought, okay, we need to pause and look to God, immediately I thought, I wanna ask Beatrice to lead us toward that end. So would you bow your heads with me and together Join with her as she expresses this prayer on our behalf.
1: Blessed Father God of glory, how great is your name in all of this earth, O Lord. The whole earth is filled with your glory, eternal Father. We bless and thank you, O God, as is it holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with your glory. We thank you, eternal God, that you are the great God and King of all of this earth, eternal God. We thank you, eternal God, that you say, O God, and your word that the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. We thank you, Lord, that you said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world and they that dwell therein. We thank you, eternal Father, that promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but you are the judge. You put down one and you and you alone set up another. We thank you, eternal Father that all the silver and gold belong to you and a cattle upon a thousand hills. We thank you that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and of rivers of water, eternal God. You turn it whether way you want it to turn, eternal God. So we bless you, eternal God, and we praise you, eternal God. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, whom you sent into this world to die for our sins, O God, so that he'll bring us to you, eternal God. God, God the Father, thank you Lord Jesus for coming came you uh, you were. Uh, came, eternal God, left your glorious home from above, oh God, you came and you died, you were buried, rose up on the third day, ascending up to glory, where you are sitting at the right hand of your Father, making intercession for us day and night, eternal God, so we give you all of the glory, and we give you all of the praise, eternal Jesus, blessed be your holy name, you said, oh that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, and for his... Wonderful works unto the children of men. So we give you the praise because you inhabit the praises of your people, O oh God. So you said to us, "Eternal God, peace I leave with you. Not as the world give, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid." So we come, O God, in the words of Apostle John, Eternal God, in the book of Revelation, Eternal God, we receive your peace and grace, O God. You said, Eternal God, grace to you and peace. From him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before the throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and have made us a kingdom of priests. To his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever, even so, amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and even they who pierced them. And all of the tribes of the earth shall mourn because of him. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end who is, who was, and who is to come. The almighty, almighty God. Jesus Christ, the loving God of glory, we praise and thank you, eternal God, for all that you are doing in your world, eternal God. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God. Almighty, who would not fear you, Almighty God, and glorify your name? So we praise you, eternal God. We praise you from the depths of our souls, O oh God. We praise you every day, O oh God. We are praying, O oh God, for your church, eternal God. So we come and we say from our souls, each one of us, O oh God, from your word, uh, Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the loops and harp. Praise Him with the tumbling dance. Praise Him with string instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise the living God of glory. Thank you, Lord God. We give you all the praise, eternal God. Thank you for this opportunity, eternal God, to lift you up, eternal God. Thank you that we could come before your throne of grace boldly, O God, that we might attain mercy. Find grace for help in the time of need, eternal God. We are in much need of you, eternal God. We come, eternal God, to confess our sins, almighty God. And to ask for repentance, eternal God. Eternal God, you said, if we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Lord God, you said, If we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to clothe us with all righteousness, eternal Father. We thank you, eternal God. You said if we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. So we know that we have sinned, eternal God. You have said that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart I test the mind to give everyone according to his works and according to his deeds. So thank you, Lord God, for searching our hearts and searching our minds, eternal God. We pray, O God, that you will convict us of our sins, eternal God, and lead us, O God, down the path of righteousness, eternal God. We come, O God, and thank you, eternal God, for our pastors, eternal God, and our elders, eternal God, and our leaders, O God, in this church, eternal God. You have said I will give you pastors after my own heart. Thank you, Lord God in heaven. We come, eternal God, and asking you, eternal God, that you, eternal God, would revive your church, eternal God, Bring a great spiritual awakening in your church, almighty God. We ask you, eternal God, that you would bring unity out of disunity, oh God. Bring harmony out of disharmony, oh God. We're asking you, eternal God, that you would exalt truth over lies, almighty God. Bring, almighty God, error into the light, oh God. Thank you, Lord God, that the eye of the Lord is in every place. Keep a watch over the evil and the good. Blessed be your holy name, eternal God. You all see and I, eternal God. We pray, eternal God, that you, eternal God, will help us to pray the words of your, your servant, oh God, in Psalm 119, eternal God. Teach us, O oh Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give us understanding, and we shall keep your law. Oh yes, we shall observe it with our whole heart. Make us to go on the path of your commandments, for therein do we like delight, incline our hearts unto your testimonies, and not to covetousness, oh God. Turn our eyes away from beholding worthless things and revive us in your way, O oh God. Turn away our, 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 our approach which we fear. For your judgments are good, almighty God. Behold, I have longed after your precepts, eternal God. Teach us in your righteousness, eternal God. Cause us to pray that, O oh God, you said, eternal God. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity, eternal God. Cause us to dwell in unity, eternal God, by the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, eternal God. We pray the words of Apostle Paul, O oh God, that you, O oh God, will help us, eternal God. Teach us, O oh Lord, the way of... T- we pray, O God, that you would cause us eternal God to give us the knowledge of your will, O God, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we may walk worthy of you, Lord God, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, stretching with Almighty according to your glorious power. With all patience and long suffering, with joy, giving thanks to you, eternal God, the Father, who's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. For you have delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the, the Son of the, your dear love, O God, in whom we have forgiveness of our sins, eternal God. We thank you, O God, that Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things are invisible, O God. Powers and principalities, all things, O God, you have created, eternal God, for your being, eternal Jesus Christ, the living righteous of God of glory. For he is the head of the church, the body, eternal God. And Lord God, he is the firstborn from the dead, O God, that he may have preeminence over all, eternal God. So he bless you, eternal Father. We thank you, O God in heaven, for your love for us, eternal God. You said through Apostle John, eternal God, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath for us that we may be called the children of God. Now we are the children of God, and it does not appear yet what we shall be, but we know when he appears we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and everyone that has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Blessed be your name, eternal God. Now eternal God, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Make each one of us, O God, complete in every good work to do your will, eternal God, working in us that which is well-pleasing in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, Our Lord, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living, righteous God of glory, King of kings and the Lord of lords, King of saints, I pray. And I say it in the name of Jesus, amen. Blessed be God forevermore.
0: Thank you, Beatrice. Let's make sure we don't waste this opportunity to press deeper into intimacy with God and dependence on God, knowledge of God, trust in God. After all, He's the goal. He's the goal. We want Him. And you know, so, so for those of you who are not members of this church, part of me really wants to apologize that you've taken so much time to address church conflict. Especially if, yeah, you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I so want you to see a clearer, truer picture of Jesus than this shows. I get how this is one of the reasons why people are often turned off by the church, even for Christians. It's one of the reasons you're we all can be turned off by the church. And what we're walking through here is part of a much bigger picture that we've seen in the broader church over the last year. It's really been disheartening for anybody who's watching it, but and this is, we're, we're going to lead into 1 Corinthians 12, but I was just, as I was praying for just your hearts as you hear and see this going on. And I, I just want to encourage you in, in two particular overall biblical practical ways, as you see this here, as you see this in the broader church, whenever you see conflict in the church, I'm going to put them up on the screen just real quick. One, any conflict in the church is always due to to deficiencies in us, never deficiencies in Jesus. And just to be clear, I see myself as part of the us here. I am not saying this conflict or that conflict in the church is due to deficiency in others, not me. Now, in the words of Paul who wrote 1 Corinthians here, I am the foremost, the chief of sinners. I am first in line when it comes to being in need of mercy from God. I am a sinner pastoring a church full of sinners in ways that lead inevitably to conflict. You can go looking for the perfect church, but as soon as you find it and join it, it won't be perfect anymore because you're there. And... Let's applaud ourselves for that, right? Like, oh, yeah. So true about all of us. (laughs) And you'll soon discover that it's never been perfect in the first place. Like ever. We're about to read a letter in the Bible written to a very imperfect church, and it had just started in the first century. It took a day for imperfection. In the beginning of the church this is like its most pure form. Because even apart from sin, even when people are faithfully trying to follow Jesus, we still run into conflict. And right? I think about my life, I wake up every morning to spend time with Jesus. just know that as one of your pastors, that's where I start my day and time alone with Him, praying for grace and wisdom to follow Him fully, faithfully, wholeheartedly. But that I don't assume every decision I make during the day is going to be perfect. I'm not perfect in that way, none of us are. Only Jesus is, and that's the point. Any conflict in the church is always due to deficiencies in us, never to deficiencies in him. Jesus is perfect, which leads then to the second way I would encourage you to think about conflict in the church, so if that's true, then second, let conflict in the church drive us to deeper love for Jesus. And isn't it good to know that there is one who is perfect? There is one who is flawless? This is the good news I have for all of us, Christian and non-Christian alike. There is one, one, one whom you can trust with your whole heart and your whole life forever. In a world that inevitably lets you down, there is one who will never, ever, ever let you down. If you're not a Christian, that's where I've prayed for you today that you would put your faith in Jesus. even in the middle of talking about all this that you would see, okay, all right, this confirms the world is not as it should be. But there is one, the God who created us, who we have sinned against, which is why we have conflict in this world. We're separated from him. And because of our sin, we deserve eternal judgment for him. But God has not left us alone in this state. God has come to us in the person of Jesus. He has lived a life of no sin unlike us. And then even though he had no sin for which to die, he chose to die on a cross to pay the price for sinners. And he rose from the dead three days later so that anyone, anywhere, no matter who you are, how far you are from God, you can be reconciled to God through faith, in Jesus, forgiven of your sin, eternal life with him. It's the greatest news in all all the world. You put your trust in Jesus, and 100 trillion years from now, he will still not have let you down. So I invite you to trust in him today, and then for all who have, like we know this about him, so let's press all the more into love for him amidst Conflict in the church. Spend all the more time with Him. Ask Him all the more for help to reflect Him. God, help me, help all of us to reflect the love of Jesus amidst conflict in the church. Help us to reflect His humility, His kindness, His compassion, His patience, His love, His spirit. These are the things I'm just praying for continually, which lead us right into God's Word. You know, I've just sat in awe on a daily basis as for those of you who are walking through the daily Bible reading plan we have as a church. Like, it just so happened that yesterday was Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. That was the word God ordained for us to hear yesterday. And then today, like, we are in this book that is written. We talked about this last week. You see it from the beginning of 1 Corinthians 1. That was written to address disunity in the church, divisions in the church. I mean, you could take this sentence like conflict in the church, drive us to deeper love for Jesus, and you could say, well, that's the main point of 1 Corinthians. And, and I hope that's, in a sense, encouraging. We're not the first to experience this, walk through this. We're not the first Christians that need to refocus on Jesus. So I'm gonna hit this real quick. We, uh, we have just a couple minutes left, but I, I want you to see. Like, I, I had no idea where we would be right now as a church family. I certainly did not imagine we would be right here on this day. But God knew exactly where we'd be. He ordained that we'd be right here at this next verse, next chapter in God's word. So I want you to hear Romans chapter 12, verse one through 11. And I want you to, and and, and basically the context behind it is there was division in the church in Corinth behind spiritual gifts. Like spiritual gifts. We saw last week as the Lord's Supper, even spiritual gifts were causing division. People were saying, well, this gift's better than others, and therefore I'm superior, spiritually superior to you because I have this gift, specifically gifts of prophecy and tongues. And we're not gonna have time to talk a lot about prophecy and tongues. That'll be an exciting few weeks from now. So, but today, just see the, set the stage and then read these words from God. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand, no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one says, can say Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Why would God ordain that we would gather in this room and other locations right now and hear this word from him at this time? And not just in our church family, but but in the middle of whatever's going on in your life. What is God saying to us? And I wanna show you, and we're gonna fly, like just a couple seconds on each of these, but I wanna show you four pictures of the church and what we just read, that God is speaking over us right now through his word. Here's the first one. One, we're a supernatural family. Family. Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. This is family language. And you read throughout the whole thing, the whole picture is a spiritual family united by the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God, to whom everyone is given, the manifestation of the spirit. One spirit, the same spirit. Faith by the same spirit, by the one spirit, the same spirit. You see it over and over again. This is what a supernaturally formed family, the spirit of God, Forms a spiritual family called the church in a supernatural way. What a powerful picture. What brings us together is not natural, man-made, contrived means. Spiritual means make the family of God supernatural. And we're a supernatural family too. We have supernatural faith. This is verses two and three. It says, basically, nobody, so you are all worshiping other idols, now you're saying Jesus is Lord. How did that happen? Only by the Spirit of God. You cannot say Jesus is Lord and mean it if the Spirit of God has not done that work in your heart to lead you to say that. That's so important. To, uh, we could camp out a ton here, but I'll, just, I'll put it this way. If I were to ask you, how do you know? Christian, how do you know you're going to go to heaven? You'll be in heaven when you die. How do you know? And if, if the first words out of your mouth are... Well, because I, because I did this, or I did that, or I believe this, or I believe that. It's not that that's altogether wrong, but you may be in danger of missing the point, because the first words out of your mouth, my mouth, should be, not be because I, it should be because God. I, only reason, only reason I believe in Jesus, I know Jesus, I love Jesus, I have intimacy with Jesus, is because Jesus loves me, because he pursued me, Because his spirit opened my eyes to who he is, the truth of the gospel. Like that's all by the spirit of God. Salvation. Even when you look in verse one concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, that term gifts, the range of meanings for that language includes not just the gift of utterance or wisdom or prophecy or tongues or whatever, it's the gift of salvation. We have received salvation. It's a gift given to us by God, specifically by the spirit of God. We have a, a faith that began supernaturally, not naturally. Salvation is not man-made, contrived. It's supernatural. So we're a supernatural family. We have supernatural faith. Third, we each have supernatural gifts. That's the whole point of verses four through 11. Verse seven summarizes it. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Is that not an awesome phrase? The manifestation of the Spirit of God. We're talking about the Spirit of of God. Picture Genesis 1-3. First time we see the Spirit in the Scripture, like hovering over the waters before the world was even formed. That Spirit has been manifested to each of us. Like, let this soak in. This is mind-blowing if you are think about it. It'll knock you out of your seat if you think about it. The Spirit of God dwells inside of you. That's supernatural. <laughs> Gifts from the Spirit dwelling inside of each of us. And just in case you're a teenager or a child, like tempted to tune out, don't tune out. For anyone who's placed their faith in Jesus, you have the same Spirit. This is not like this person who's more mature has this Spirit and this person who just became a Christian has this Spirit. It's all the same. I have the same Spirit, you have the same, the same Spirit. That's what it says over and over again in First Corinthians 12. The same Holy Spirit dwells in each one of us. It's an awesome thought. So we all have supernatural gifts, and we all have—we each have supernatural gifts, and we all have supernatural power. So with spiritual gifts comes super—so comes spiritual power. End of verse six. It's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Same word "empowers" used in verse eleven. So God gives us supernatural gifts from His Spirit with supernatural power to use them to build up others. And in case you haven't used this, this. I haven't noticed, like, I'm using the term supernatural here very intentionally, and it is not an overstatement. It actually makes, makes me think about, so I'm going to show you my undershirt here, the shirt that my wife and my kids got me for Father's Day. So if I could just show it to you here. This is what they got me over the last week. It's kind of awkward taking off shirt. But go with it. All right, so this is the shirt they got me, okay? It says, Daddy, you are as... Incredible as the Hulk, you are as amazing as Spider-Man, you're as mighty as Thor, you're as smart as Iron Man, and you are as honorable as Captain America. Happy Fourth. Uh, You are our superhero. So this was the shirt they gave me. And I thought, oh, guys, like, that's, that's so awesome, kind. Like, I really appreciate that. And then one of my kids, who will remain nameless, said to me, Dad, it's just sentimental. He said, it's actually not true. He was like, let's be honest, Dad. You're not stronger than the Hulk. You may like to think you are mightier than Thor, but you are not. You're no smarter than Iron Man. And Spider-Man's a lot cooler than you are. Like, so I was, they were just saying this. Like, it wasn't actually true. But that's not the way I'm using this language. I want you to feel this. If you are a follower of Jesus, put aside like imaginary superhero, you have true supernatural power from God dwelling inside of you. Uh, The spirit of God who created this planet and the stars and the galaxies, his power resides in you through gifts he has given to you. So now let's put it all together. So these four truths, I'm gonna put them on the screen here at the same time because I want you to see this. God, now make the connection. This is what 1 Corinthians 12 is teaching. God gives you, me, supernatural power to use, your supernatural gifts for what purpose? To strengthen other supernatural faith in the supernatural family called the church. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 11. God gives all of us, each of us, it's the language, supernatural power to use these unique supernatural gifts. We all have different gifts. I mean, some share different, but, but unique gifts Don't get caught up in the list of gifts here. So there are definitely different lists of gifts in the New Testament. The point, the Bible here is we all have them and you know what they're for? They're for the strengthening of one another's faith. I'll give you another text. Romans chapter one, verse verse 11 and 12. "I er, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That's why I want to see you because I want to impart to you a spiritual gift to make you strong so that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That's what what the gifts are for, for mutual encouragement in faith. Gifts are designed to be used in the power of God to strengthen one another's faith in the supernatural family of God, which means if you want to experience all God has for you, you need to be in a body, committed to a body where you are building up others' faith with the supernatural power inside of you, not using those gifts to tear down others inside that body. Like I want want to show you this quote. This quote directly from, so uh, Bible teachers had a huge influence in my life. I've preached with him at different conferences. Uh, He invited me out to his college that he founded to speak, I'm so grateful for how much God has taught me through John MacArthur. He summarized this passage by saying, so just look at the language. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to believers to express and strengthen the unity they have in their Lord Jesus Christ. But misuse of those gifts shatters unity, divides believers, and ruins their testimony before the world. Is this not exactly what God is saying to us today? God has made us a supernatural family with supernatural faith. He's given us supernatural gifts with supernatural power to build each other up, not bring each other down. To express and strengthen unity, not shatter it, dividing believers and ruining our testimony before the world. Let me illustrate as we close. So my older brother is in town. I wanna invite him out here. So this is my older brother, Steve. Would you welcome him? What's up, bro? The only way I could get Steve to agree to do this is if you didn't have to speak. This is, uh, he doesn't love being on stage and this was a big step for me to, to call in Steve for this. And I, I've told you if you've been around here for very long about Steve before. Um, so uh, I grew up a little skinny scrawny kid and Steve grew up the opposite. So the whole joke was when I, we would go like to school and there was the football coach he was like what do they, push you away from the trough at home? Like that was, that was the kind of language I grew up hearing. So just very, like you guys don't belong to each other. And I, I've told you, now, now uh, yeah, just about Steve, like he, he uh, uh, like star football player on the offensive line and defensive line, uh, um, heavyweight state wrestling champion. Um, so heavyweight, heavyweight. And he only weighed like 225 pounds. And he's wrestling guys that are two seventy five, three hundred. But like these arms, he just like pick guys up and throw them down. I work out a lot more than him, and I'm nowhere close to this right here. So, and so growing up, like I learned real quick, don't, don't wrestle with Steve, right? I like run. That's the only thing I have. And uh, and so, but every once in a while, he'd get his hands on me, and it was it was not good. This this power poured out on this little guy was not good. I could be in all kinds of positions. But then, as we grew up, I learned what a blessing it was to have this power working on my behalf. So I've, I've told the story before like, uh, about summer camp one year. I'm a freshman. There's, it's basketball camp. There's seniors there. They're initiating freshmen. This guy comes in the dorm room to take me out. He's, he's about to carry me out to go put my head in the toilet and flush it. And, uh, and as soon as he turns to take me out of the room, this other senior rounds the corner. is like, no, wait, we can't take him. If you remember the story, like, uh, I, I didn't know who this guy was that just rounded the corner, but I immediately loved this man. And, uh, and he said, we can't take him. He said, that's Platts, brother. And I remember what the guy who's holding me, he looked me up and down. And he said, exact words, this is not Platts, brother. This is Platts left leg. And I don't think he meant that as a compliment, but I was pretty proud to be Platts left leg. He put me down and walked out. And then there was, there was one other I've talked about before when I, I had this jacket my granddad had given me that I loved. I took it to school one day, put it down at the beginning of the day, came back at the end of the day, and it was gone. Somebody had stolen it. And our dad uh, came in and was talking to the principal about what had happened. And I'm sitting over there pretty distraught. Steve comes over to me, and he's like, hey, David, what happened? I tell him. He said, let, let me take care of this. And I watched Steve walk directly over to the guy in school who was kind of in charge of these sorts of activities. And, uh, and he put his arm around him and he said, I just want you to know, my brother's jacket was stolen. If you don't have it back to me by tomorrow, then we'll have a talk. <laughs> and uh, so the next day, I, uh, I'm sitting there in first class in, in the morning and I'm looking out in the hall and I see, coming around the corner, Steve walking, and you'll never guess what he's holding in his hand. My jacket. And... Uh, he uh, he comes up to me, gives me my jacket, and he says, "David, I just want you to know, no matter what happens to you, your brother's always got your back." Amen. And uh, so, and I I could tell many other stories about this brother who's a hero of mine. Maybe the last one would be when I remember living in New Orleans. I was teaching expository preaching at a seminary down there. And Steve and his wife had just had a baby. They were living up in Atlanta near mom and dad. And I got a call late one Monday night from Steve telling me that dad had just unexpectedly passed away from a heart attack. It's a picture of dad and it's at my wedding. Steve on one side, dad on the other. And I just think about the uh, comfort of knowing you're not walking through that alone. You've got a brother who's got your back. You've got a family who's got your back. And I guess that's the point. Like we all face challenges in this world of sin and sorrow and suffering. We all face trials, we face attacks, we face all kinds of things. And when we face these things, isn't it good to know you have a brother who has your back? You have a sister who has your back. So, and I pray, maybe maybe even better than that, to put it this way, isn't it good to know you have a picture in other people and somebody else of the God who has your back? So, would you pray with me? Thanks, bro you bow your heads like I just I want you to sit with that for a moment I want you to know God is for you if you've never placed your faith in Jesus like today like let faith arise in your heart and trust in him right now and then let's just all pray God we praise you for your love for us for your power at work on our behalf you are our hope you are our life you're our joy, you're our strength when we're weak you're our help in whatever we walk through, we praise you we pray that during these days you would draw us closer to you You would lead us and you would make us a church full of brothers and sisters who have each other's back. In a world where we need that picture in each other and help us to show that picture to a world that needs what only you can give. God, we praise you for your word. We praise you for meeting with us today, ordaining this text on this day to remind us we're a supernatural family, supernatural faith and supernatural gifts with supernatural power. Help us to live fully in who you've made us to be.
1: In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen.